From the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network studios in Des Moines, I'm Mark Magnuson, and welcome to Iowa Ag Matters. In today's show, I continue the conversation with April Hemis of the Iowa Soybean Association about innovative non-food uses for soybeans. Riley speaks with Dakota Belling of BovaJet about their latest technology updates. And Andy and Dustin discuss the Arizona court ruling concerning dicamba. It's time now to welcome our hosts, Dustin Huffman and Andy Peterson. Well, a beautiful, sunshiny morning here to start the week on Iowa Ag Matters. I'm Dustin Hoffman. Good morning. Andy Peterson also joining me. You know, the temperatures are a little cooler, but still not terribly bad for February, at least the first half of the month. I guess, you know, like I said, we'll just we'll ride this out as long as we can. A little frost this morning, uh, a little white frost, which is something that we haven't seen. You know, it was odd, Dustin. Watching the uh, Waste Management Open over the weekend, the Phoenix Open, and they had frost delays. And you're sitting there going, wait a minute, it's warmer in Iowa than it is in Phoenix, Arizona, which was absolutely the case. Things look like they might be changing a little bit this week. We'll talk about some of that coming up. Trying to get our arms around, to this uh, ruling against Dicamba um, down, speaking of Arizona, in an Arizona district court. Uh, so we'll talk about that a little bit on the way as well. So I mean, markets jumping some overnight. Let's dive in head first to the conversation. Mark Magnuson with Greg McBride from Allendale to start us off. Joined today by Greg McBride of Allendale for our opening market discussion. Greg, what are we seeing taking place in the grains? A little bit of a bounce to uh, to start the week here. We uh, we do see some uh, drier forecasts uh, uh, in uh, South America that can uh, can help out a little bit. Some of uh, Western uh, Argentina was missing out on uh, on rains, so uh, well, let's see if uh, if there's a little weather premium put back into the market after this just massive sell off that we've seen for the last uh, month and a half or two months. Uh, other than that, uh, we are looking forward to CPI numbers coming up this week, getting a measure of, uh, of the current inflation situation. Maybe that gives us uh, an inkling into what the USDA or what the uh, Fed is going to do with, uh, uh, with rates as we go into March. That is uh, not expected to be something that uh, they, they change uh, this time, but it is something that uh, we'll continue to watch. And then we've got the uh, USDA Ag Forum uh, uh, Thursday and Friday this week, uh, where they're going to give us uh, kind of a, a, an, an idea of what they're looking at uh, moving into this year. Now, uh, most of what people are going to be looking for is uh, is kind of an idea about uh, acreage. But when you start to play with that acreage number, you dive deeper in, into those numbers and you start to uh, kind of flesh out those uh, those ending stocks numbers. And at this point, it all kind of looks bearish. Uh, there's uh, some ideas of of maybe 2.8 billion carryout for corn and, and maybe upwards of 400 million uh, carryout uh, in uh, in in beans, so it, it's not exactly the uh, the best look, but maybe the uh, the market is a little bit prepared for uh, the bearish news. When it comes to South America and what we've learned since the latest WASDI report, in your opinion, then what does the current situation kind of look like going forward when it comes to the overall numbers and how everything should work out? Uh, are you kind of on the bearish side of? Uh, those numbers are the bullish side as far as those production numbers for South America and kind of, you know, we've seen those trade guesses all over the place. Yeah, we, we have. And, and uh, I'm a little more uh, to the uh, to the bull side of it. I'm not bullish by any means, but I'm to the more to the bull side. If you look at what Conab has done, they were, they were kind of slow playing it, similar to what the USDA was doing. And then all of a sudden they dropped off uh, almost 6 million tons uh, last month. Kind of came more in line with uh, what some of the private analysts uh, were looking at. Uh, but the USDA, they only dropped by a million tons on that uh, B number. So there's a, there's a little bit of a discrepancy there. The USDA does tend to play things a little more 
conservative, but at some point, I think they're going to have to recognize a little more to the uh, to the downside in the uh, in the beans. On the corn side of things, they've been higher than Conab uh, for, for pretty much the the entirety of uh, their growing season here. So we'll continue to look at that. Uh, they did drop off uh, very similarly as far as the amount, uh, but they're still significantly higher than where. Uh, than where Conab is. So I, I would think at some point we're going to see a further adjustment. The way things tend to go in uh, in uh, Brazil, and well, I guess it's kind of the same way here in the United States, is it's, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad. Then the production uh, phase is over. We see that the uh, harvest is done. And at some point we'll get a slight uh, adjustment higher uh, as they uh, they fill in the blanks for us. We'll have more market analysis with Greg McBride from Allendale coming up later in the program. Right now, Andy Peterson's here with his three big Iowa Ag Matters. Number three. Revoking approval for usage of dicamba herbicide products on soybeans and cotton. A federal judge with the U.S. District Court in Arizona has done that. However, Chuck Connor, president and CEO of the National Council of Farmer Cooperatives, says this is a big problem as the judge claims the EPA violated the public input requirement from the Federal Insecticide, Fungicide, and Rodenticide Act before giving its approval to the use of those dicamba products. Well, this is a significant ruling, and it's uh, part of a, a more fundamental problem we have had in the last decade where the courts have had just too much to say about the regulatory process uh, of the government of the United States. And whether it's EPA or FDA or whatever the case has been, the courts have really sort of taken over from where the experts are. He's encouraging the entire ag community to band together because this is a process that cannot be allowed to stand. Now he adds that there may be a stay of the decision during the appeals process, which would still allow for the sale and use of dicamba herbicide. Number two. Welcoming applications for the Resilient Food Systems Infrastructure Program. It's a partnership between the Iowa Department of Agriculture and USDA, which will invest $5.2 million towards strengthening our local food supply chains. Iowa Secretary of Agriculture Mike Nag says the intent is to build resilience in the middle of the food supply chain by developing and improving markets for Iowa's small farms and food businesses. Number one. Income dropping by 25% in 2024, according to the USDA's Economic Research Service. Danny Munch, economist with the American Farm Bureau Federation, says that there are two main drivers. It measures net farm income, a broad measure of farm profitability. And the latest report anticipates a decrease from 2023 numbers of $155 billion to $116 billion in 2024. That's a $40 billion or 25% drop year over year and the largest recorded year-to-year dollar decrease in net farm income on record. He says it emphasizes the need for a new farm bill to be finished this year as there's a $21 billion expected decline in cash receipts as well as a $17 billion increase in production expenses combining to put the hurt on farm finances. I'm Andy Peterson. Those are your three big Iowa ag matters. You might think Iowa just grows corn, but the truth is corn grows Iowa. Hi, I'm Stu Swanson, a farmer from Galt, Iowa, and the first vice president of the Iowa Corn Growers Association. Whether you're planting, harvesting, or anywhere in between, as a member of the Iowa Corn Growers Association, you're also actively advocating for our industry. As an ICGA member, you have a voice lobbying on ag issues at the state and federal levels on priorities that impact your farm. Join us today at iowacorn.org join. 
Data management continues to increase in importance in all agricultural sectors, including cattle. Riley Smith tells us more right after this on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. Well, obviously, up-to-date and precise data is very important in your operation, including, especially including, your livestock and maintaining their health and their growth and everything we need to have successful with our with our cattle operations. And Dakota Belling of Bubba Jet talks with Riley Smith about what they're doing to put more information at the fingertips of farmers so they can make better decisions right now. Uh, first off, Dakota, just give us a little bit of a reminder of uh, the product that you guys are really trying to push and offer for uh, cattle producers. Yeah, so we have a device that automatically pours uh, medicine onto the back of cattle, uh, so automatic pour-on, and uh, you hook it up in your alleyway or squeeze chute, and as you're working your cattle, uh, it's just one less task for the farmer or farm laborer. Well, and, you know, anybody who grew up on a farm or has been around it knows the stress that can happen uh, when it comes to getting those cattle through the chute and making sure they get everything on them. So uh, just making sure that that process is a little bit easier, uh, obviously a main focus here, right? Yeah, it's uh, less stressful for the cattle. There's not a human presence there. It's It, it hangs over, so it kind of looks like part of the structure. So they're a lot calmer, calmer going through, um, and it's easier on the cattle. So you guys have a kind of a new update here as well, uh, some exciting things you have in the pipeline. Tell us a little bit on how kind of ga- uh, gathering that extra data and using that to improve performance as well. Yeah, so currently uh, we have one version out uh, that's just a simple pass-through system. Um, and But we're coming out with a new product this spring that will connect to the scale head in the squeeze chute um, and then gives the farmer data and analytics on an app that he can look at later. It can give them uh, how much he's saving in porons. It can give them the average time that it took to work each head of cattle. Um, different things like that. Right. And, you know, I think it's one of those things where you have the opportunity. The cattle are sitting there in the chute. You might as well uh, gather as much information as you can while you're there, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. And then um, we hope to plug into with some other companies to use those EID tags and different technology like that. So, uh, Dakota, just tell us a little bit since it's been, you know, from the uh, state fair in August. Tell us how it's gone since then. Uh, have you know what are the successes that you guys have seen? Yeah, so we've participated. This is our fourth show now. Um, we've gotten a couple unit sales out there, so um, first sales are in the books, which is awesome. Uh, we've also gone and pitched in a couple more competitions through Iowa State. Um, just finished, uh, gra- just graduated from there, so that was a neat opportunity as well. All right, and uh, if anybody wants to follow along and kind of see your guys' journey and uh, learn more information about the products that you guys have, how can they do that? Uh, we both we have both a Instagram and Facebook page as well as a website where they can get all that information. All right, Dakota, thanks so much for taking the time to visit, and we look forward to uh, keeping in touch. I appreciate it. Thank you. In February, we celebrate World Radio Day. Here at the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, we feature Iowa-centric programming with content focused on Iowa crop farmers and livestock producers who draw their livelihood from modern production agriculture. Today, the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network offers nine programs per day, anywhere from two and a half to four minutes. In addition, the network airs a daily midday program featuring Iowa ag news and discussions called Iowa Ag Matters. And we also host a long-format weekend radio program called Weekend Ag Matters. The network's content footprint also includes a growing digital presence, including our daily e-newsletter called Ag Matters Daily, our website, which features our daily news stories at iowaagnet.com, 
along with a daily YouTube Ag News program called Ag Matters PM. We are also active on Facebook, X, LinkedIn, and TikTok, and provide free daily market podcasts twice per day. We thank you for supporting the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network as we celebrate World Radio Day in February. Well, we are still getting the ball going here on Iowa Ag Matters, including we're going to be talking a little bit about that whole dicamba ruling and not quite what we want to hear, especially, you know, as farmers in the southern states, the Delta region, they're getting ready to get started as uh, this time of year is starting to warm up for them down there. And and to have those plans in place, getting ready to put seed in the ground and not being able to use one of your tools uh, could be an interesting scenario. But, of course, this has to play out in the courts as well. Yeah, it does. It's also not the first time that we've dealt with something like this with the canvas earlier than the last time around. But I also think it might be a key indicator of things to come, too. And uh, this coupled with a new herbicide that's coming out from Syngenta. Now that one's for corn. Obviously, we're talking about the canvas usage on, on soybeans, particularly soybeans and wheat. But still, um, there's always a lot of moving parts. And we'll get into that coming up here on Iowa Ag Matters. time for a check of those elevator prices here on Iowa Ag Matters for this Monday, February the 12th. I'm Dustin Huffman. Starting first at ADM Burlington, they're 16 cents under on corn at 415, soybeans 12 cents under at 1180. Cargill and Eddyville, a nickel over on corn, cash bid 436. New Co-op Algona, a dime under on corn, 421, soybeans 55 cents under, cash bid 1137. Ag State Sheldon, 13 cents over on corn, $4.44 is their bid, 72 cents under on soybeans at eleven twenty. Ag State Elta, a dime under on corn, cash bid four twenty one. dollars soybeans 62 cents under at eleven thirty. Cargill Cedar Rapids, even today on corn, four thirty one. dollars soybeans 15 cents under at eleven seventy seven. Nexus Co-op Marble Rock, they're eight cents under on corn, four twenty three. dollars soybeans 55 cents under at eleven thirty seven. Lincoln Way Ethanol Nevada, they're even today with corn at the cash bid at 431. ADM Des Moines, 12 cents under on soybeans, cash bid 1180. New Co-op Red Oak, a dime under on corn, 421, soybeans 50 cents under at 1142. Mid-Iowa Cooperative Green Mountain, 24 cents under on corn, cash bid 407, soybeans 50 cents under at 1142. New Co-op Sheraton, 20 cents under on corn, 411, soybeans 55 cents under at 1137. Walk on Feed Ranch, seventeen cents under on corn. They are at four dollars and fourteen cents. Soybean sixty-one cents under at eleven thirty-one. New Co-op Glidden, a dime under on corn. Cash bid four twenty-one. Soybeans fifty cents under. They're at eleven forty-two. Innovative Ag Services of Farley, fifteen cents under on corn. They're at four dollars and sixteen cents. And soybeans fifty-two cents under with a cash bid at eleven dollars and forty cents. In Cargill and Muscatine, they are closed for the season. They'll reopen April 1st. The office is open for normal business. Cash corn and soybean bids are subject to change without notice. Always check with your local elevator when making sales to obtain the most recent price. And that's been a check of your elevator prices here on Iowa Ag Matters. We'll be right back. Locally led, locally relevant, locally driven. Mark your calendars this February to join the Iowa Soybean Association at a 2024 Innovation to Profit meeting in your area. With meetings in Storm Lake, Waterloo, Fairfield, and Lewis, this is an opportunity to engage with fellow farmers and learn about research opportunities to boost your profitability, productivity, and sustainability. A new year brings new opportunities. Take advantage of them today by registering at iasoybeans.com. This message is brought to you by the Iowa Soybean Association and funded by the Soybean Checkoff and the United Soybean Board. 
We have more market information still to come here on Iowa Ag Matters, including a complete rundown of your grain and livestock market numbers at midday. Don't forget about the free market podcast and analysis sent right to your mobile device through the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network Market Podcast on Google, Amazon, Apple, Spotify, and Podbean, and online at iowaagnet.com. We have more Iowa Ag Matters coming up. Well, we're trying to get our arms around here, collective arms. I think this uh, dicamba ruling down in Arizona, of all places, Dustin, earlier you were talking about uh, why is the district judge in Arizona ruling on this? I mean, are you worried about overspray on cacti or something in the desert? But um, anyway, there's not a ton of coverage on this. You're hearing it as part of uh, your three big Iowa ag matters. But apparently a district judge down there in Arizona has revoked approval of dicamba products for soybeans and cotton, uh, arguing that the EPA had uh, violated a public input requirement from the Federal Insecticide, Fungicide, and Rodenticide Act before giving its approval of usage. Of course, Delta planting down south has already started. And, you know, we saw something similar to this a couple of years ago. It was later on in the season they were able to issue a stay until things got sorted out. But this is the second time now that there's been a legal challenge to dicamba usage on beans for our purposes, Dustin. It seems like the handwriting might be on the wall here. You know, as much as we are fighting it and we want to make sure we've got tools available in our toolbox, it is going to have to probably hasten on the the discovery of the next thing. And we've seen already a lot of that shift to other uh, others weed control products i mean the 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 enlist e3 uh liberty link all that has been really been growing in in usage and so you know it may be one of those things where it's causing more problems than it's worth and but again it's not not meant to try to hit a defeatist attitude but sometimes you know if we're just going to keep fighting you know it's it's why do we but the thing is i guess i'm digressing we we well, the fact is the farmers have made these plans they're already in the field and the, again it's another court ruling at a at a bad time now better timing at least for the midwest and the, and the corn belt obviously but as you said the delta relying on soybeans and cotton protection to be there uh as they're getting ready to get going here as are going in some spots i just i just don't understand it it, it is going to force a lot of these uh, companies i think to bring a lot more online faster but the problem is you can't rush uh a lot of these weed control and crop health products either because they have to go through rigorous testing they have to get approval from the epa and you can't make any shortcuts in that kind of situation so it's it's interesting how this is going to play out again there could be a stay this is this is not not that it can't be fought i mean this has been discussed already there could be a stay while this gets appealed which means farmers would at least be able to use what they've got for a season again similar to what we saw the last time this went around but again as you mentioned it it, it's the writing may be on the wall it may be one of those things where we got to figure out what's what's the next step and again we have those next steps some of them in place but there may be some that are going to need to come along sooner rather than later now last time of course the court intervened later on in the growing season and iowa and some, some other states were successfully able to get to stay based on key argument of products that already been distributed out to warehouses in a lot of cases out on farms so it was too late to stop anything. I mean, what are you going to you going to go retrieve that? And what are you going to replace it with? The supplies aren't there. Uh, this time, obviously, we're earlier process. Although 
you know, supply planning for herbicide availability is a years long thing, not a month long thing. So we're still relatively late. A lot of them haven't been distributed yet. So that might uh, work in the judge's favor here. But Chuck Connors, as you're hearing in the North Ripping Iowa Ag Matters, is certainly calling on the ag community to uh, band together on this. And he says he is aware of um, a, uh, a petition that uh, is already circulating amongst members of Congress um, to uh, maybe work on this a little bit. But uh, there's cause for concern, Dustin. I don't think there's any question about that. No, not at all. And it's going to be something that's going to take some time to play out again. Court systems never known for being a very quick way of getting things done. I mean, they can issue injunctions and rulings all they want. And again, as we started out earlier, it is interesting that this is coming from a place that's really not saying there's no agriculture, but not known for its corn and soybean and cotton production. And so it's interesting how those courts are getting involved. Well, Andy, as long as we got you here, let's go ahead and get your three big Iowa Ag Matters. Number three. Revoking approval for usage of dicamba herbicide products on soybeans and cotton. A federal judge with the U.S. District Court in Arizona has done that. However, Chuck Connor, president and CEO of the National Council of Farmer Cooperatives, says this is a big problem as the judge claims the EPA violated the public input requirement from the Federal Insecticide, Fungicide, and Rodenticide Act before giving its approval to the use of those dicamba products. Well, this is a significant ruling, and it's uh, part of a, a more fundamental problem we have had in the last decade where the courts have had just too much to say about the regulatory process uh, of the government of the United States. And whether it's EPA or FDA or whatever the case has been, the courts have really sort of taken over from where the experts are. He's encouraging the entire ag community to band together because this is a process that cannot be allowed to stand. Now he adds that there may be a stay of the decision during the appeals process, which would still allow for the sale and use of dicamba herbicide. Number two. Welcoming applications for the Resilient Food Systems Infrastructure Program. It's a partnership between the Iowa Department of Agriculture and USDA, which will invest $5.2 million towards strengthening our local food supply chains. Iowa Secretary of Agriculture Mike Nag says the intent is to build resilience in the middle of the food supply chain by developing and improving markets for Iowa's small farms and food businesses. Number one. Income dropping by 25% in 2024, according to the USDA's Economic Research Service, Danny Munch, economist with the American Farm Bureau Federation, says that there are two main drivers. It measures net farm income, a broad measure of farm profitability, and the latest report anticipates a decrease from 2023 numbers of $155 billion to $116 billion in 2024. That's a $40 billion or 25% drop year over year, and the largest recorded year-to-year dollar decrease in net farm income on record. He says it emphasizes the need for a new farm bill to be finished this year, as there's a $21 billion expected decline in cash receipts, as well as a $17 billion increase in production expenses, combining to put the hurt on farm finances. I'm Andy Peterson. Those are your three big Iowa Ag Matters. Locally led, locally relevant, locally driven. Mark your calendars this February to join the Iowa Soybean Association at a 2024 Innovation to Profit meeting in your area. With meetings in Storm Lake, Waterloo, Fairfield, and Lewis, this is an opportunity to engage with fellow farmers and learn about research opportunities to boost your profitability, productivity, and sustainability. A new year brings new opportunities. Take advantage of them today by registering at iasoybeans.com. This message is brought to you by the Iowa Soybean Association and funded by the Soybean Checkoff and the United Soybean Board. 
Well, of course, we've got more market information coming up here as we've gotten great market analysis from Greg McBride taking a look at those basis numbers. But now, as the news is being digested throughout the day, what's that mean for the grain and livestock markets? Well, we'll take a look at those right now. Mark and Andy are going to have that coming up next on Iowa Ag Matters from the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. This is the Midday Market Update on Iowa Ag Matters. I'm Mark Magnuson. Corn closed below the $4.30 level on Friday and has been on both sides of that area today, but in a relatively tight $0.05 trading range. The market may still be trying to figure out whether to trade the USDA or CONAB numbers, in which CONAB lowered Brazilian production more than the USDA did last week. According to the CFTC, the non-commercial net short position in corn is the third largest on record. This could mean the market is primed for a short covering rally, but it may take a spark of friendly news to light that fire. This week will feature the annual USDA Ag Outlook Forum. Last year at the forum, the USDA estimated corn acres at 91 million compared to 94.6 in reality. Both Brazil and Argentina expected to receive good rains this week. This will likely keep pressure on the soybean market in general, especially as the recent rains in Argentina have helped to stabilize the crop. At last year's Ag Outlook Forum, the USDA estimated soybean acreage at 87.5 million. The actual number of acres planted came out at 83.6. That's the latest on the grains. Here's Andy Peterson with more livestock news. In-depth livestock numbers coming right at you here. Daily estimated slaughter totals coming in at 117,000 head for Friday. That is 3,000 less than a week ago and 4,000 less than a year ago. There wasn't much for a weekend uh, run, only 4,000 head on Saturday. As far as boxes go, we're mixed here at midday. With 55 loads of choice cut selling down 97 cents to 294.04. Select 96 cents higher, 285.08 on 16 loads of movement, which means that spread has narrowed a lot, back to just $8.96. Crazy, that was over 30, not all that long ago. On the pork side of the equation here, daily estimated slaughter totals coming in at 484,000 head, that's 3,000 less than a week ago, and 12,000 more than a year ago. As far as the cash markets go here, let's wrap up Friday's business for comparison purposes, Barrels and Gilts producers sold on a carcass basis, negotiated purchase-wise. Pretty decent run to end the week, 4700 head and some change, with a weighted average price down $1.27 to $63.79. Formula purchases, a strong run of 162000 head, and the weighted average price was $72.58, so that market was about $0.30 cents stronger. Now, as far as what's happening here at midday today, negotiated purchases, a pretty light run, only 1800 head of sales. No pricing information due to Packer confidentiality. Formula purchases 138,000 heads sold so far, so a strong run here on Monday morning. And the weighted average price, 73.78. So once again, we're 30 cents stronger. In February, we celebrate World Radio Day. Here at the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, we feature Iowa-centric programming with content focused on Iowa crop farmers and livestock producers who draw their livelihood from modern production agriculture. Today, the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network offers nine programs per day, anywhere from two and a half to four minutes. In addition, the network airs a daily midday program featuring Iowa ag news and discussions called Iowa Ag Matters. We thank you for supporting the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network as we celebrate World Radio Day in February. At midday, March corn is up two and three quarters at 431 and three quarters. March soybeans up 10 even at 1193 and a half. 
On the Merck, February live cattle down 52 cents at 184.10. March feeder cattle up $1.35 at 248.50. April lean hogs up 25 cents at 81.40. April pork cutout unchanged at 88.12. And Class 3 milk up 4 cents at 16.17. That was a check of the midday markets on Iowa Ag Matters. I'm Mark Magnuson. Well, we've got more market analysis right now. Greg McBride of Allendale back talking with Mark Magnuson. They're going to go over what's moving those livestock numbers in the cattle and hog complex here today. On the other side of the ag marketplace, what's happening with the livestock sector? Well, we continue to look strong on this uh, on this cattle market, uh, just uh, continuing to follow a very nice uptrend. Had a, uh, a day last week where we had a nice outside day up uh, that continued the uh, the move. We saw better cash trade last week. We've seen uh, mixed uh, uh, mixed numbers on the uh, the box beef number, but still going in the uh, in the proper direction. Uh, so we continue to think that maybe there's a little more upside here. There's some some uh, technical targets on the uh, uh, on the charts to f- to fill. We're almost there. We've gotten within a couple of ticks of one of those targets for the uh, uh, for the April uh, fat cattle uh, around 187.55, and then you've got another one a couple of bucks higher. So there are a few targets that we could still reach up and get on the uh, hog side of things. Uh, it's been uh, kind of a a back and forth uh, type uh, type move. We had a very nice uh, oh, about uh, about one month uh, up uptrend, and then uh, once we hit the end of January, kind of hit the skids and we backed it off uh, a little bit. So we went uh, from that uh, 86 area on the April uh, hogs to back down to about uh, 79 and a half. Uh, we did catch a nice uh, a nice bounce or a minor bounce on uh, on Friday, but that market. Uh, has broken the uptrend that we were in uh, to start the year and uh, has uh, has started what is a short-term downtrend right now. WASDE report, obviously, very much we are paying attention mostly to the grains, but was there anything that caught your eye as far as livestock is related when it comes to the latest WASDE report? Nothing that, uh, that nothing changed our, our opinions on things. It's, it's still going to be a tough go for the uh, for the hog side of things. Uh, uh, cattle, the production numbers still are are friendly, and that's uh, that's looking out uh, for the entirety of uh, 2024. So uh, that is something that uh, we'll continue to watch. Are we going to go retest those highs that we had seen uh, uh, in, say, September uh, of last year? Potentially, but we've got to see if those uh, if this uh, market doesn't find some uh, some fund intervention or some maybe some fund selling at some point to uh, to take a little bit away from us here. Greg McBride of Allendale, our guest here today on Monday. Greg, what's the best way for our listeners to get in touch for more marketing information? Give us a call at eight hundred two market. That's eight hundred two six two seven five three eight. Greg McBride, thanks so much for the time here today. Have a great week. All right. Thanks, Mark. Talk to you later. Locally led, locally relevant, locally driven. Mark your calendars this February to join the Iowa Soybean Association at a 2024 Innovation to Profit meeting in your area. With meetings in Storm Lake, Waterloo, Fairfield, and Lewis, this is an opportunity to engage with fellow farmers and learn about research opportunities to boost your profitability, productivity, and sustainability. A new year brings new opportunities. Take advantage of them today by registering at iasoybeans.com. This message is brought to you by the Iowa Soybean Association and funded by the Soybean Checkoff and the United Soybean Board. Well, a very fitting tribute uh, last Friday and Saturday to one of the greatest agricultural leaders that Iowa's ever had as we laid the great Bill Northey to rest with a, like I said, very appropriate and very crowded 
um, set of services Saturday and Sunday at the state fairgrounds. So thanks to all who are involved in planning uh, such an appropriate and uh, remembrance. And, and that was very, very well done. And we'll certainly miss the secretary and the undersecretary here going forward. Speaking of going forward, part two of Mark's conversation with April Hennis is right around the corner on soybean production in just a moment. Mark Magnuson for the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. I'm joined by April Hemis, and April is, of course, involved with the Iowa Soybean Association, but also involved at the national level when it comes to the United Soybean Board. So, April, could you please remind our audience your role within both organizations as we are here today at Iowa Soybean Association's Farm Forward? Yeah. Um, My role on the Iowa Soybean Association is I'm the District 2 Director, and I'm entering, I'm halfway through my last year, which is amazing how fast that went, and also my last year at the United Soybean Board, where I am the demand committee chairman. So in charge of all the demand products. And that is a great reason that we have to talk with you today, April, because we want to talk about those expanded uses for soybeans and those byproducts and kind of the things that we can do with the soybean that I'm not sure everyone realizes is capable. And April, we also saw this all in action when you think back to Farm Progress two years ago with the asphalt that was laid down for the varied industries tent, I believe it was. Could you explain then what it is that comes out of the soybean that allows us to bind that asphalt together? So... This is absolutely my favorite story to talk about, with, with, especially with Iowa Soybean and the United Soybean Board. So Iowa Soybean went to Iowa State University and said, hey, we have this hyaluronic oil. Can you find anything to do with it? They developed a product that binds together the asphalt and replaces chemicals in oil, petroleum oil. So that's the bio base. So then they went to the state Iowa Department of Transportation and the asphalt um, group. And so that's private money, state money, Iowa state money, farmer dollars went together to, you know, bring this product up and test it. And when it came to the big lift of testing it and um, on the road use, I think they do that in Alabama, they came to the United Soybean Board and um, we invested those farmer dollars there to really test it. And then now it's a product that they can buy. So there's farmer dollars going, you know, and state dollars and private dollars all going to br- bring a, um, a, a commercial product for uh, people to buy and use. So you could be driving on that asphalt with your soy-based tires also. So there's lots of great stories there. So basically at the end of the day, there are a lot of things that are being done to drive up that demand for the soy byproducts, just soy in general right now. Exactly. Um, I was very fortunate to go to LA and talk to all the fleet managers there. You're talking police, fire, you know, um, all of those fleet managers. And we talked about the Goodyear soy-based tires because they're making the soy, um, using soybean oil instead of the petroleum oil in the tires. And they're finding they perform better. And then little known fact, you don't think of the tread wear on the asphalt or on the roads that goes and gets washed off. Well, they're finding that it degrades. It's biodegradable, and it degrades a lot better. And those fleet managers love the idea of a green tire, you know, something. And it's such a good, the customers and consumers are really asking for these sustainable um, products. And here we are with soybeans with the answer. 
And it's also important to, as much as, you know, sometimes we might say, well, is this necessary? We have to do what the consumer wants at the end of the day. Exactly. And and it's just great to have, you know, to be able to grow that commodity that can answer a lot of those questions. April, is there anything else you'd like to let our viewers, our audience know about when it comes to some of these new uses and just being excited for the future of these soybean products and what they can go into? Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's just so great to be a part of all of this and to know that we have the solution to a lot of the questions being asked out there. April Hemis, one of the directors with the Iowa Soybean Association. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Thanks for having me. Well, of course, great information from the folks at the Iowa Soybean Association and going right to our other organization, the Iowa Corn Growers Association, this chance to get an update from Jolene Reese, and she is the president of the ICGA. There's a lot of conversation at Commodity Classic about the importance of carbon intensity scoring and increasing farmer participation. I have a Corn Growers Association, one of the leaders on the issue, according to President Jolene Reeson. So I had a study done here on my farm, and I'm actually a, a negative carbon emitter, and, and I managed to get to that point by I no-till, I use cover crops, I have a custom feed yard that we feed cattle in and I utilize that manure as part of my, as part of my fertility program. The ground is, is actually worked very little. Um, if we can no-till it, that's usually what we do. Always keeping in mind, you know, the soil erosion, carbon capture. We just try and do everything that we can to, number one, keep the soil on my farm, number two, to keep the fertilizer on my farm. She says lowering ethanol's carbon intensity score will be key to unlocking the sustainable aviation fuel market, and you can learn more at iowacorn.org. And just like that, time flies here on the Iowa Ag Matters program. Once again, thanks so much for joining us on your official, authentic, and trusted voice of Iowa agriculture. Great stuff today from Dustin and Mark and Riley. We appreciate them. And of course, we continue to watch what happens in the marketplace and whether we're uh, poking around, finding a bottom here, looking for a spark of some kind, or whether the slow grind lower continues. And we'll have more updates uh, all day long market-wise on our website, iowaagnet.com, or on social media, of course. Just uh, look up your favorite channel, Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, and the e-newsletter as well. That will come out a little bit later on. Your full service, again, content provider. For Iowa Agriculture. I'm Eddie Peterson. See you tomorrow.